Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Moneyball Minute. This is Kirk Henderson, and I'm editor-in-chief of MavsMoneyball.com. I'm coming to you on the morning of Monday, April 18th. The Dallas Mavericks will play the Utah Jazz for Game 2 of the playoffs a little later tonight. But before we circle back into that, I want to touch base on a couple of news and noteworthy items of the day. According to Tim McMahon and Adrian Wojnarowski, uh, Luka Doncic is still very is basically doubtful to play. Um he, you know, they could change the injury report, but it's it's unlikely. Doubtful is is almost always a circumstance unless something rapidly improves, uh, where we should not expect Luca. Um, it's pretty wild to me, and and it's getting to be a little bit like existentially upsetting that we've had Luka Doncic. It'll be four years of him in a Mavericks uniform. The Mavericks will have made the playoffs three of those four years, and yet Luca uh, thus far has only played three home playoff games. Uh, the first iteration of the playoffs was in the bubble uh, down there in Orlando, so the Mavericks obviously didn't play any home games. And then last year they played three home games against the Clippers, and Dallas didn't win any of those. So we're going on quite a long stretch without a, a home playoff win, and we're also going on so few games with Luka Doncic uh, playing in a Dallas Mavericks uniform at home in the playoffs. Uh, I always tell people that I think they should try to go to games if it's at all possible because there just aren't that many playoff games, period. And then there are even fewer home playoff games. And then, as we're seeing in this instance with the superstar player being out, you know, we're getting robbed of opportunities to even see that player suit up. Dirk only had something like in the neighborhood of like it's either high 30s or low 40s. Uh, playoff appearances at home in his entire career and he played here 21 years um just you know and, and like something like 1500 games so it's it's just it's a rare occurrence and it, it's frustrating that luke is not going to be able to play tomorrow night um circling back to the game from uh saturday as everyone knows the mavericks fell 99 to 93 if you missed uh, either josh bow and i's recap podcast or the uh, ensuing uh, Spotify Live that I hosted, you know, you'll find that, that there's kind of a healthy mix of reactions from people where I, I think you can kind of take from this game what you want. Uh, if you're an optimist, then it's the sort of game where if the Dallas Mavericks were able to hit a few more shots, um, if Jalen Brunson and Spencer Dinwiddie actually attack in the way that we know that they're able to, and also really finish. Um, Spencer, in particular, didn't take any of the mid-range shots, which he'd actually kind of feasted on in his time with Dallas. Brunson, meanwhile, uh, normally just a really efficient shot maker, was not. And some of it was defense. Some of it was he just wasn't hitting shots. Um, he was 8 of 21 from two-point range, is something I keep circling back to, and that's pretty wild. But I do think that the shots are going to be available for him to take. He's just going to need to make them. Uh, additionally, I think the Mavericks really need to find ways to um, to get the rest of their, their team involved. And, you know, Josh Bowe wrote about this um, a little later on Saturday night. If you haven't had a chance to read it yet, go and take a look at what I'm talking about. I, I posted that in, in the show notes. Josh did a really good job with screen cap breakdowns and just sort of Taking a look at how wonky the Mavericks offense was, uh, really horribly inefficient. And yes, Rudy Gobert is an all-world defender. But what was really problematic is that just the Mavericks didn't play very well on offense. Um, so if, if you're kind of a sunny side up guy, you could see that both Brunson and Dinwiddie could afford to play a little better at home, which I think is a fair expectation. And maybe they'll be able to do that uh, a little later tonight. Um, the second story I wanted to point you to was our man uh, Lucas Kew, who uh, on the post game, you know, basically was able to to ask some questions 
Um, he asked Brunson, for example, what he felt good about offensively in the series opening and what he can focus on attacking going into game two. And Brunson responded, for me personally, I've prided myself on being consistent and efficient my entire life. So I think going into game two, being smarter, taking better shots, being more efficient for me personally is definitely going to be key. I'm just going to have to go back and watch a little more, be a student of the game and learn from this. So Luke was in our, our chat, you know, and he wrote a whole column basically why he's optimistic moving forward. Um, and it's it's a really good read. It's also in the show notes. And, and you know, there's there's just that sort of, of you know, pot like cautious optimism that I think is completely understandable. And then, you know, we get back to, to kind of the other side of the coin. Uh, Doyle Rader uh, of Mavs Moneyball wrote a piece, which I really, really liked, um, that basically delved into the rebounding problem. The Mavericks got crushed on the boards. Now, some of why they got crushed in sheer volume was because they shot 38% from the floor. When you miss 62% of your shots, there's going to be more available rebounds. Now, where the Mavericks really got whooped was on the offensive end, uh, where they managed to limit Rudy Gobert, but everyone else really feasted. There were, I think, 13 offensive rebounds, and that meant 11 for everyone else past Gobert. And Spencer was a real, like, he was a, he was the guy who gave up. I counted at least four on my rewatch. It was, it was really something, um, you know, which is interesting because in the post game, Dinwiddie said, you know, just rebound. Everyone has to get back, get in there and send five guys to crash the boards opposed to just two or three. We know Royce O'Neal is going to crash the corners. Boyan may crash. And obviously Gobert and Hassan Whiteside are going to be in there. We just have to send all five and make sure we get a defensive rebound. So it's kind of interesting that Spencer says that because he was the one that was like most obviously like watching regularly, which was something. Um, from the other side of things was our friend and colleague is Talk Franco. He and Mike uh, Pellucci of over at D Magazine wrote a, a reactionary piece to the game, what it saw and what it felt like. And I'm going to post it in the notes. You should go read the whole thing. But this from his talk was really striking to me because he, he apparently came away from this game feeling pretty down in the dumps where he, he said, quote, and it might be an overreaction, but one game into the series, it looks like the Mavericks have only four reliable players for playoff basketball. There is an easy fix for that if Doncic can come back soon. If not, things could get ugly fast. And so this kind of comes from the notion, and, and it's fair to, to, to take this position, that the, the Jazz are capable of playing a lot better on offense. Uh, which they are. They missed a lot of shots and had some sloppy offense. Now, a lot of that was due to aggressive Maverick defense, but you can bet that that there's going to be counters for that in game two. Um, and that's really something. And then, you know, the the last piece I'm going to point you to is is our, our buddy and former editor-in-chief here at Mavs Moneyball, now at The Athletic, uh, Tim Cato. He, he posted a, a piece that is, he's just essentially notes that Jason Kidd is running out of options. Um, it's very... You know, we talked about this a little bit, but it, it, it goes back to kind of my misunderstanding and confusion when I've talked with fans all year on the Spotify green rooms um, about or Spotify lives about, you know, the depth of the Mavericks where people are telling me that, oh, such and such player is good. Such and such player is capable We're you know, we're going to have Trey Burke. We're going to have Josh Green, et cetera. You know, well, Josh Green still has a lot of basketball to learn. I tend to understand why most people think he might be good one day, but it, it's tough. You play him for 10 minutes, he picked up three fouls and missed four shots. Trey Burke can't play. I, I understand why some folks might want to see him try, maybe at least for the ball handling aspect, because without um, with without Spencer and Brunson out there, it's kind of terrifying to watch. But 
it, it's 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 challenging. I, you know, beyond what we mentioned earlier in the show, that a couple of guys just need to play better and they need to pass better. Um, the Mavericks are sort of running out of options, but options in the sense of they don't have a lot of guys who can play. But I do feel confident in that the guys that they do have can play better. I still feel okay about this. I really, really do. I, I don't know if we're going to see Luka Doncic this series. I really don't because this is not a good injury and it's not something they can rush back. But I feel good about tonight, as good as I can. Um, and we'll see where we go with that. Now, remember the Mavericks play tonight at 7.30. That game is on NBA TV. I, it's going to be difficult to find locally unless you have Valley Sports Southwest, I think. Could be wrong there. The the you know I, I, I access mine through a VPN. Um, so I'm always a little bit behind, but, you know, just try to figure out if you can watch the game early, make a plan because you don't want to be flipping on your television at seven 30 and not be able to readily watch it and have to figure something else out. Um, stay positive. I think the Mavericks are going to come away with this one tonight. This has been Kirk Henderson. Please check MavsMoneyball.com. We'll be covering stuff all day and all night, and we will talk to you guys soon.